Welcome to Maritime Software Hub, the podcast for people that are passionate about innovation and technology across the maritime, supply chain and satcom space. Hosted by me, Callum Beaumont and my colleague Daniel Duggan, this podcast will introduce our listeners to a fantastic mixture of highly influential and successful guests, shining a spotlight on their careers and expertise by reviewing key challenges and rewards associated with their day-to-day roles. In this episode, I meet with Mike Constantinidis, new Managing Director of Zero North and the former co-founder of Metis Cyberspace Technology. We run through the key milestones of Mike's career, talk about his new exciting position at Zero North and go through the real ins and outs of what he feels uh, the role of a CEO is, what are the key skills that are needed to be an effective leader in that sort of position and discuss some of the key differences between a founder and a CEO as well as other topics relating to the future of digitalization and shipping uh, and, and his passions. I hope you enjoy. So hi, Mike. Thank you for joining us today. Hello, it's my pleasure. No, it's a r- real uh, treat to have you on. Uh, and uh, I know we've kind of been uh, in, in touch for a, a couple of years or so now, so it really is great to have you featured on our, on our episode. So for those of you who don't know you, I'd love it if you could perhaps do a brief overview and an intro of you intro of your your background and who you are um, and then we can obviously follow on with a few a few more questions sure Uh, so my name is mike constantinidis and some people uh, wrongly think that my last name is a little hard to pronounce in english so uh, (laughs) anyone can um, reach me out can call me just mike Uh, i've spent i I studied some centuries ago uh, mechanical engineering and technical university but I spent all my whole career and my life uh, and devoted in the digital transformation uh, and this um, revolution that already uh, somehow disrupted all our lives, uh, literally. And uh, yeah, recently, the last six, seven years, I was uh, focused on the maritime industry uh, and the digital transformation powered by artificial intelligence. Internet of Things, big data, artificial intelligence, which is namely machine learning, and which brings this huge um, game, game-changing game uh, disruption in this industry as well. Recently, I joined Zero North, a leading yeah. company. Congratulations, it's fantastic news. Thank you very much. Uh, there is um, uh, a leading uh, vision at Zero North and very strong, very strong uh, shareholders. And I think we're going to do very well. Good. Fantastic. And, and what was it? I was going to ask you about that, that kind of vision uh, that kind of pulled you towards Zero North. So can you just elaborate a little bit on that? Yeah, uh, shipping uh, is suffering right now by many fragmented uh, software uh, applications. And this doesn't give the the shipping executives uh, the one-stop shop, one solution, one platform that they will do their uh, everyday business and they will be somehow um, empowered to do their decision-making based on real facts, real data, analysis uh, of um, the actual and somehow not based on empirical methods like in the past. 
uh, Zero North is uh, covering uh, a large part of this very big uh, uh, vision and is always uh, investing and expanding. And this is actually why I joined in order to introduce the census uh, data, the Internet of Things, the real actual data from the vessels. This is one um, aspect of the whole uh, solution that always needs to be taken into account because uh, you cannot um, improve anything if you don't measure it first, obviously. So this is exactly what I'm, I'm doing. Great. Well, good. And I'm glad it's obviously early days. But um, I mean, just another quick question, if you don't mind me asking about that. How, how would you, what's been your kind of impression of, of the culture since you kind of joined Zero North and perhaps throughout your meetings when you were kind of um, having discussions with their different team members throughout your kind of onboarding process? It's a very, very good company. Very well, welcome. Uh, all the people are really very open and communicative and uh, I, I see a very good atmosphere. This company is rather new company. It's only less than three years old, uh, but it's, uh, it has a very tremendous growth. But I see that the biggest challenge, which is to have a good, um, uh, a good environment, good working environment, and uh, people that uh, interact, cooperate, uh, it's a team work that is really very encouraging and yeah. uh, it's, it's obvious to the customers as well, to all the partners that we work all together. This is extremely important. Yes. Good. Understood. Okay. And, and you mentioned earlier about your, the, the, a large part of your career has been in the digital side, even in technology businesses, that type of thing. Um, and I'm really getting a good sense that you, you've, you tend to be very, very loyal to your companies that you work in for long, long periods of time. So, um, so when you made the shift in, into a maritime kind of focused business, uh, what, what was that kind of transition like going into a digital kind of shipping focused uh, organization, perhaps coming from a, a background different to shipping without that kind of prior knowledge? Right. Yes, this is, uh, this is really interesting. First of all, I need to make a statement. In life, uh, it's not that the more strong that they survive, not the more rich or the more clever even, but the mm -hmm. most adaptable. So we need to be able to adapt. Uh, I noticed and I was challenged by the shipping industry since it's uh, rather behind other industries business activity and extremely uh, maybe profitable. It has their cycles. It's a um, very tough job, the tough environment. Uh, and the shipping needs to do very fast steps, leaps towards the digital transformation. Um, shipping has a huge history behind many, many, many centuries uh, of thrive. So, uh, the people are somehow um, hesitating um, adapting new uh, technologies. They prefer to work like in the past, based on rules of thumb, based on uh, traditional thinking. 
So this makes it even more exciting. Now, how can someone um, without a maritime related background can intrude into the, this uh, traditional uh, industry? Well, I would say by a lot of studying, a lot of reading, a lot of um, uh, uh, work on to be um, in line with what those people uh, want, what those people need, what they are lacking, and of course to be able to um, somehow uh, understand all the terminology, all the yeah. specific uh, shipping specific um, wording and abbreviations and things. Yeah. Absolutely, yes. This is extremely important. Otherwise, they don't um, accept any uh, outsiders. <laughs> like, I think this this is something that you can encounter in other industries as well. I think so. And you said something really interesting there about um, perhaps the traditional nature of, I don't know if you're perhaps referring to the traditional ship owners or the uh, kind of uh, other maybe charters or, or figures, but do you think perhaps as the next generation of maybe ship owner, maybe if they're in a kind of slightly smaller style, um, for example, like a Greek or, or a, a Japanese sort of ship owning business, as the next generation comes up, do you think they might be a little bit more kind of open to using technology and doing things in a slightly different or more modern way, perhaps? I would rather say that this is not a question of age. I've yeah. seen 75 years old people that are very, very young and forward thinking. And I've seen much younger ones that are extremely conservative. It's a, yeah. it's a question of mentality. Uh, many, many times in my career, I've seen the hairs being more uh, conservative than the fathers. But okay, uh, it's, uh, it's um, I would say that um, shipping executives, the ship owners especially, they have proved their adaptability. And this is something that is coming from the traditional um, uh, leadership of the ship owners. Uh, this is a family-run business, and yeah. those um, the, the mentality of how to uh, react and how to um, maybe adopt new things is something that probably is one of the secrets of uh, their success yeah no I, I believe so um okay so i think we're gonna obviously the focus of this episode is going to be talking about the role of of the ceo in, in businesses and, and in particular in in the maritime software space so you're the first kind of ceo um guest that we've had on that we've has obviously been in in, in previous roles and we will have future ceos as well as, as guests so it'd be great to hear your so your your views on on what makes a successful CEO, that what's the typical background, any kind of tips we can we can give to to helping any aspiring CEOs, for example. So, and before we start, before we go into the main topic of today, um, just love to learn a bit more about you personally. That's okay. So, um, I was wondering if you could tell us if, if there are two things perhaps you might better share that perhaps people don't know about you. <laughs> That's. Uh... 
funny, funny question. Well, I guess um, I've born in Istanbul, uh, which okay. used to be called Constantinople. That's why yeah. my last name. And as a matter of fact, I'm the grand, grand, grandson of the last Byzantine emperor. So oh, wow. you're right. Uh, well, if you definitely need a second one, I would say that I'm a contemporary art lover and collector. Great. Good. Lots of, uh, so are you obviously regularly going to museums and things in, in, in Athens? Yeah. And not only, wherever I travel, <laughs> definitely I visit. Good. Excellent. Well, I appreciate your, you sharing that with us. Um, okay. So let's get started. So in your sort of view, um, how would you describe the role of a CEO? Oh, uh, I would say that the CEO should be um, not uh, concerned by details, but have a strategic side. But in fact, what I love saying usually is that the CEO needs to have the side of the alpinist. The alpinist need to uh, see in 300 meters. So he, he is going somewhere, he is going to his destination, but simultaneously he must see in 30 meters and in three meters because you know all the, the dangers and the risks can be just in front of you, so you need to be able to avoid them or to uh, foresee them. But def yeah. definitely, if you don't have the sight too far, then you never reach any destination. You may do circles in Alps. So this is, um, it's, I don't say it's easy. I don't say I'm perfect in that, but I think this will be the ideal skill set um, of a successful CEO. Okay. Interesting. And as far as your, your kind of experience with, with yourself, I mentioned earlier about having kind of um, being in company, companies for a number of years previously to perhaps either work your way up in, in a company um, as opposed to maybe moving in as a new kind of CEO without that background, perhaps, or that knowledge of that company itself. So do, do you think it's important to to have a length of service in a business first before you kind of rise up the ranks to becoming a CEO? Or is it, it doesn't particularly matter perhaps on whether you've worked in a business before, you could still be effective CEO if, if you come in completely fresh? Um, the CEO should be a generalist and definitely should have a good or rather good understanding of all the business uh, units and all the, the parts comp comprising the specific industry. First of all, yeah. uh, we need to bear in mind that anyone becoming CEO at the first time was not a CEO before, right? So yeah. every, every time there is a first time for everything. Uh, but yes, I think that it will be extremely challenging and I don't really believe that those um, people that they don't have a small or medium experience of all the uh, departments and especially uh, people that do not embrace the vision of the company 
uh, will not embrace the people and the assets that uh, bring the value to the shareholders, okay. I doubt if can be successful CEOs. Okay. And, and on that point about vision, so I guess I, I kind of founded Cordell Beaumont. Um, obviously, we're a very small business, five or six of us at, at the moment. Um, I, I wouldn't class myself as a CEO. We're obviously not that kind of size of business. But um, do you think there's a big difference between a, a founder and a CEO? Kind of the, the, the roles are very different or, or can they be, be a bit of both? Yes, of course. There is a critical Critical factor, critical difference. First of all, I need to make a comment on your previous previous saying. The, the yeah. size uh, doesn't matter, but the CEO is a CEO, uh, whatever size it is. So yeah. it's better that you make your mistakes in a rather smaller uh, enterprise. Yeah. Uh, I agree. Yeah, sounds good. <laughs> this is actually the definition that Oscar Wilde gave to the world. Yeah. Experience. Experience is our mistakes it's unavoidable and definitely if you don't do mistakes by chance maybe you're lucky then yeah unfortunately you lack experience so i agree correct. i am um, yeah I, I was sort of uh first hand from my point of view I, I tried to set up my first business i think in tw 2012 um, it was actually a, nothing to do with shipping or recruitment. It was a, 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 a music rehearsal studio, a music recording studio. And uh, I unfortunately learned the hard way about taking out a big loan, putting everything all into one idea, and unfortunately not coming off. So that was kind of what I did between leaving shipbroking and going into recruitment. And I, I learned so many things from those, uh, from those experiences, and, and I think it helped me shape, I guess, how I approach setting up this business. So I, I completely agree with you. Right. Now, regarding the difference between a founder and a CEO, yeah. I would say that now we are experiencing and living the age of startups. So the founder is probably a visionary person that has um, a, a good concept that is uh, something that um, uh, makes him enthusiastic about his venture. And, yeah. uh, of course, he, in parallel, needs to fulfill uh, four other factors as well. So the number one was the, the concept, but they need another four. Uh, the four being the funding, the business model, the team, so the implementation of his concept, and the timing. The timing is extremely, extremely important. So a lot yeah. of founders, they may um, not be able to achieve all five factors quite satisfactorily. Then a CEO may be appropriate to, um, to help, to contribute. But if the CEO does not embrace the vision, the, the scope, the, the concept of the company, then this leads to disasters. And we've seen a lot of cases in the past in the um, uh, industry and all the, the uh, enterprises that um, this leads to a disaster.
Okay. So, I mean, on, on that point, as far as a, a typical day to day or day in the life of a CEO, how, how would you kind of uh, describe that to our listeners? Uh, okay. Uh, regarding the day to day, I, I need to share with you the concept um, of um, having four categories of um, issues that you deal every day. These are the important and urgent, the important and not urgent, the non-important and urgent, and non-important and non-urgent. So the uh, successful manager in general, every day does only important and non-urgent issues. If there is an important and urgent, then it's his failure because he left it becoming urgent. So he only need to do important and non-urgent things. The non-important, he um, uh, delegates to others. So now, uh, how you judge what is important and non-important, what is urgent and non-urgent, this is, of course, uh, depends on on everyone. Yeah, <laughs> I guess, and what support you have, and obviously who who is waiting for your your answer um, to a point. Okay, great. So, I guess for, for those of people people that have ambitions to hopefully become a CEO one day, is there any advice or, or guidance you can perhaps give them to try and give them the best shot of of either that promotion or, or, or landing that type of role? I guess. Um... First of all, not all people are good fit for all jobs. Uh, yeah. A CEO, I think uh, one of the skills, additional to what I mentioned before, is to be communicative, to be empathetic, to, um, to be able to find solutions in every problem. Uh, and of course, to have a strategic, uh, visionary thinking. Uh, I think those skills and those competencies uh, are competencies that you can um, work on them. You can yeah. educate it. You can be trained. You can improve. Everything can be improved in life as soon as you want it. And as soon as you, now we are living in an age that the access to the knowledge is extremely, extremely easy. If you want to learn a foreign language, if you want to learn something about uh, a scientific or any, 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 uh, anything, it's extremely, extremely easy in the past. People should go to libraries, should find, uh, look for books or uh, find experts to ask. Now everything is accessible. So, yeah, yeah I, I think uh, anyone can improve. I don't know how much. If, for example, you are graded to 10, you can improve to 15 or 20. If you are graded to 98, maybe you can improve to 99 or whatever. So, but uh, for sure, uh, we can improve. And this is um, uh, a life um, 
life philosophy, but we every day we need to improve. And what I would share with you is that you never get old unless you stop learning new things. No, I agree. And obviously, hopefully things like nowadays, you mentioned all the different platforms we have. So obviously, YouTube, podcasts, all these innovative things that have been around for a while, but are now really, really taking off. So it's uh, there's so many different platforms to learn from, as well as speaking to experienced people. Okay, um, thank you very much for that kind of review and, and, and your, your insight into what makes a CEO and, and the type of challenges they face. Um, with regards to the, I guess, circling back a little bit to the the, the future of shipping and, and kind of the digitalization of it, what what kind of really excites you about that space? Is there anything in particular where you where you think there's a still a, a huge opportunity and things for to progress? Yeah, a lot of things. Um, I strongly believe that uh, in the near future, maybe not too far as we can foresee, uh, we are heading uh, towards the autonomous vessels and sooner or later crewless as well. But this is not yet, we're not yet there. So uh, all those those monitoring systems, all those reporting systems eventually will transform to control systems. The vessels are extremely complicated uh, problems that need to be solved. They are like huge factories uh, I mean the cargo vessels that are yeah. encountering extreme weather conditions and they have uh, a lot of internal and external issues that somebody has to handle. It's totally impossible for the human brain to be able to um, digest and to process all those extremely complicated um, issues. So this is something that um, Uh, digital technology can undertake. It will take some some years until those uh, technologies will be robust and um, reliable. But then this will be something that, uh, I mean, how to sail a vessel will be something that the intelligent systems powered by machine learning technologies will do at the optimum way. Today, there is a demand and a pressure by regulations uh, to become more green, so to uh, optimize our operations. This is not only shipping, it's in all aspects of our lives. So this is something that only extremely intelligent systems based on a lot of different sources of data can handle and make decisions on how the vessel should be served and what speed from which route and what RPM of the main engine, etc. And this eventually will uh, give us the insights in order to adopt other technologies and to become more and more green, uh, paving the way to the total decarbonization. So all those challenges that I just uh, mentioned in a couple of minutes are being um, handled right now by a lot of 
brilliant uh, people all over the world. And I think those will bring the fourth revolution in the long history of shipping as well. And do you think there'll be more kind of consolidation across all different types of, of, of software providers and, and AI providers? I mean, we're seeing more and more of it lately, but do you think that's a path that will continue? Some of the bigger companies acquiring other perhaps smaller um, SaaS businesses and those type of things. It's, it seems to be a real pattern. Yes, definitely. Yes. Uh, to join forces is the only way. Uh, yeah. Small companies and fragmentary um attempts cannot go further, cannot survive. So this, um, after a certain, um, a certain success of any uh, entrepreneurship uh, needs to be uh, consolidated, need to join a bigger schema. It's not a game for little kids, unfortunately. It needs huge investments, the digitalization, the digital um, uh, activities are like a bicycle. You need always to be on the move. You cannot stop because you fall. So you, yeah. you need to continuously and pretty heavily invest. You need to have the financial muscles in order to, to keep going. And then you create economies of scale, and you create uh, the, the way to go further and to uh, dominate the market. This is the only way, unfortunately. Yeah, I think we're seeing it certainly from from a recruitment point of view, and, and for when we're working with businesses that are are hiring, um, you see more and more that there's there's more alliances and collaborations happening. So um, sometimes it's it, it might make the candidate pool in the future a little bit smaller potentially if uh, companies are kind of linked together. But maybe you you never know. You might see a little bit more kind of intercompany transfers that type of thing. Um, so yeah, it's, it's an exciting space. I think certainly for us from our point of view. Um, last question for you. So um, you mentioned it earlier about kind of your your background um, coming from outside of shipping into shipping. Um, in the past, obviously when we worked together, that there's been certain roles where you felt like um, it would be more um, appropriate perhaps to have a sales professional or some sort of marketing or client facing. Uh, team member to, to come from a maritime background or have some sort of hands-on technical shipping knowledge. Do you think that's really vital in, in kind of uh, client-facing roles or or not so much? It would be important in any B2B business activity. I don't, I don't see a big difference. Of course, um, in order to continue your career in another industry, you need to make some kind of um, uh, induction, some kind of onboarding in this new field. This It's the same in shipping. Uh, nobody says that uh, you, you need to have been born in this market or the other to do your next steps in your careers. Of course, nothing is given and nothing will be easy, easy come. Uh, anyone that wants to do something, he must be willing to do some efforts, some sacrifices to devote himself 
on this. And of course, it is possible. And for sure, shipping is um, very hungry in new blood, new uh, way of thinking, new technologies, uh, young people that are um, coming from other industries or from other uh, spaces. And this is really very challenging to, to be able to uh, get new uh, way of thinking, new uh, input, because uh, this is the way that uh, we become better. Uh, we need to have out of the box thinking. And this yes. most probably will come from people that are not insiders. Uh, and of course, to be radical is exactly to to think on another way, on a way yeah. that will be, uh, and this exactly creates the disruption. Remember that in the retail industry, we used to have a situation where large retailers seem to be um, extremely big and no nobody could doubt them. And suddenly, one small company, Amazon, created a technology. And after a few years, it started growing and suddenly it dominated this market. And now the then uh, huge conglomerate retailers uh, either bankrupted or became too small. And so this is exactly what is um, happening in the age of digital digitalization, let's say, digital revolution. And this is exactly something that will be happening in traditional business activities like shipping as well. Okay. Well, thank you so much for sharing your insights. Um, as I said, it's a real pleasure to have you join the podcast and also congratulations again on, on your new position with Zero North. Um, yeah, we wish you every success in that and, and hopefully carry on continue speaking to you going forward um if any of our listeners want to reach out to you perhaps if they have any questions relating to today's discussion is it okay for them to message on linkedin or is there any other way that's best yeah, to contact sure, you sure they can find me in linkedin for sure i'm i'm present in all social networks but well <laughs> linkedin is more professional way to to uh, catch up and get in touch with anyone that have something to share of course definitely i'm i'm open and i'm always um, willing to help uh, the youngs to take their uh, critical decisions in life yeah and this is something Brilliant. that is really very very nice to do good well i'm sure a lot of people will find uh, incredibly valuable our discussion today so thank you very much for your time uh, and i look forward to speaking again soon Thank you very much, Callum. It was a pleasure. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Maritime Software Hub. If you do have any further questions relating to this discussion, please do get in touch with myself or one of our recruiters and we would be delighted to help you. Also, please do subscribe and follow our podcast to help share our content with a wider audience base. And if you would like to see the video version of this episode, you can find the link to our YouTube channel in the show notes of this episode. Before we conclude, I'd like to share a quick overview of Cordell Beaumont, which is the company that powers this podcast. 
Founded in 2019, we're a specialist digital search and recruitment agency that helps highly talented sales, marketing, product management, leadership, and data analysis professionals secure some truly exciting career opportunities across the globe. Our client partners provide software platforms, data subscriptions, and advisory services across a variety of maritime and trade-related functions. These include vessel performance management, carbon and emission monitoring, weather insights, e-navigation, pre- and post-fixture chartering, and market analysis. What really helps us add value to our community is the fact that my colleague Daniel Duggan and I both previously worked as shipbrokers earlier in our careers and each have a long family heritage in the maritime space. We share this passion of maritime across our team of recruiters and we're generally interested in in the solutions our partners provide as well as the success of our candidate network we engage with. On that note, I'd like to thank you for listening and following Maritime Software Hub, the People Podcast.